Welcome to Unlikable Female Characters, the podcast featuring feminist thriller writers and conversation about women who don't give a damn if you like them. I'm Wendy Hurd, and I'm here with Kristen Leipianca. Hello. And Lane Fargo. Hello. I have a really important question for you two today, which is, how are your breasts feeling? <laughs> are you, are your like in an emotional sense? In an emotional sense. I feel like you have to give the people context for yeah. this, Wendy. Well, no, I, so. I mean, because mine are feeling sad and depressed. So that's taking an effect. So we'd like to thank um, a wonderful person on Twitter named Jess Layton at a geek with a hat, which is really cute. Twitter handle, by the way, for posting this following uh, passage from The Marriage Plot by Jeffrey Eugenides. Eugenides? I'm sorry. I don't know yeah. how to say the last name. Um <clears throat> When she'd stopped crying, Madeline composed herself before the mirror. Her skin looked blotchy. Her breasts, of which she was normally proud, had withdrawn into themselves as if depressed. <laughs> and I have some ana- I have some anatomical questions about what men think are behind breasts because right. there's rib cage back there. Like where where have they withdrawn to exactly? Do they suck into the ribs like squeeze themselves into the ribs? out of like just sadness and shame they're just like no when i cry i notice my breasts suction themselves into themselves (laughs) just like a really bad inverted nipple situation yes like i don't understand i think the nipple sucks the breast in until it's okay okay like a bermuda triangle wow (laughs) it like it just like folds up like one of those like coat in a bag where you like fold the raincoat into its own pocket correct toss it in your suitcase yes cool Uh like one of those airplane neck pillows that turns (laughs) i mean i'm like pretty depressed right now but my tits look amazing i don't know what to say (laughs) have you considered that it might help you feel better if you suck them into themselves <laughs> I feel like that could only make me feel worse. That yeah, I don't think painful. that would. I don't think that would make you feel better. So poor Madeline here is normally proud of her breasts, but right. now that they're depressed, she's just ashamed of all of it. So <laughs> even the right. like, proud thing is very like. It's not really like I don't know. Like I, I think I have great boobs, but like proud, like they're like an accomplishment. I don't know. <laughs> it doesn't seem right. <laughs> Your learned degree of breastiness. <laughs> Why are men allowed to write books? That I don't is know. the question. I don't know. Don't. We ask every week. I always also ask, you're an editor. You've read books before. You've right. you've met women. Like Did you... was this like part of a long con or something? Like some editor was like, you know, just this this is bullshit and I'm gonna leave it there. Make old Jeff look like an asshole. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he has more money than we'll ever have, so whatever. But <laughs> he doesn't care what we think about his book. No. I wonder if there was like a note and he was like, no, this is correct. <laughs> this I'm is how breast winning work. author. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know oh, if we man. need like a sex ed episode that we could allow people to like, forward to men like breasts are not retractable. <laughs> Women's genitals do not elongate into a long pointer that can then be, remember our sex scene episode. Oh, I can never forget. <laughs> We're really providing a public service. Yes. Everyone appreciates it. Things you didn't think that men needed to be told. Yeah. Right. I mean, presumably, if you're going to write from the perspective of a female human woman, 
you might have <laughs> seen one or spoken to one before in your life at some point, presumably. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know his life. I don't know his life either. I have no judgment about people not having like, um, you know, not having a certain amount of sexual prowess or experience or right. anything. But it does make me wonder if these men have, uh, if they're virgins, like if they've ever been in the room with a naked woman. I or if they've know. ever sought the opinion of a woman on their work. Or just looked at a picture. Or like. <laughs> or, or that. <laughs> but the women in porn, they're not depressed. They're proud of their, their, their breasts are just like out there, you know, doing With the work. drawn into themselves. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Where? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to read this book, but at the same time, like, I am curious for the context of like, what has made poor Madeline so upset? <laughs> Become blotchy <laughs> and have her, her, her prideful breasts withdraw into themselves. Like, I don't know. What happened to her? Look at us. We talked about this for five entire minutes. <laughs> well done. It. Well done. Don't you dare. No. <laughs> this is solid gold. <laughs> anyway, we do have a topic today that's not about right. breasts. Sad breasts. <laughs> we could do a whole episode on, on that, I feel like. More of a good start. We probably but could. <laughs> our actual topic today, we're going to talk about the archetype of the head bitch in charge. Woot. Woo. Which we've been kind of saving, like we wanted to talk about women in power, and we thought like now that we have a female vice president, yes. shout out, uh, that this would be a great time to kind of dig into it. So I wanted to start off with this quote, which I feel like kind of frames this whole discussion around women in power. I've been thinking about this quote a lot since I read it. So this is from Kate Mann's book, Entitled, which is all about like patriarchy and how it hurts everyone. Um so she says, I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but she says, women who seek power are disliked because they don't display enough communality. Like they don't care enough about the community. It's like they're just seeking power for themselves and all the mm. things that we consider leadership material, like something that's presidential are things that we praise in men, like, you know, being charismatic, giving good speeches, being commanding, all that stuff. It's like good in men, in women. She's like being a bitch and shits it down and shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Um, so women can seek power, but they shouldn't be out for power for themselves. They have to be seeking it to serve others, but they can't be opportunistic or striving about it. She says communal behavior only seems to count in a woman's favor if it can be attributed to stable traits of character or her own authentic nature. So it's like you have to be communal, but it has to like come from your heart <laughs> and not be like a political strategy so, right. like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about this. I hate it. And in, this is an interesting one because it's like, you know, this is one of those interesting topics where it's like, should women become more like men or should men become more like women? Like, should men be more communal and less self-centered mm -hmm. and less this, you know what I mean? Or like, it, like mm -hmm. it is an interesting topic because I don't think anyone would argue that like, oh, yeah, we should all be just self-centered and self-aggrandizing and out for our own and power hungry. Like, right. I don't think in right. any way that we're arguing that. No, but you can't, you can't like r repair the imbalance by mm -mm. women being communal minded and men continuing to be the Correct. way they are like exactly like, men are not going to relinquish the power that they have had for all this time like that's at the heart of so many conflicts the refusal to relinquish it so it's like mm -hmm. in a perfect world sure they would be less like that but there is like yeah. no there's like no fucking way 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Basically. I'm so hung up on this idea of like it has to, you can if you're communal, it has to seem authentic. It can't seem like a strategy like she um, Kate Mann in this book talks about Elizabeth Warren specifically, who I know mm-hmm. we're all big fans of here. And she basically said that Liz Warren did a really great job of being communal. Like that was part of the reason she got so far. Like she was seeking power, but it was clearly to serve other people to serve like the country. But then that whole fucking thing with Bernie Sanders happened where she said that he had like told her he didn't think a woman could beat Donald Trump. I forget exactly Mm -hmm. what it was. And then everyone, I mean, not everyone assholes like turned on her. And the narrative was she's being (laughs) self-serving by attacking him. And I saw a lot of like, well, they're friends and she's not being a good friend. And I'm like, oh, my God, fucking kidding me. Can you imagine someone saying that about a man? No. And I'm like, you know, who's not being a good friend? Bernie Sanders, who shouldn't have been running for president again. He should have sat the fuck down and supported her from the beginning because he had his chance and he already fucked it up for Hillary. Right. A lot of feelings about Bernie Sanders. But (laughs) I'm like, If anyone's not being a good friend, it's him. But we don't care if men are good friends. Like, we don't. Right. It's, Ugh, as a society. Infuriating. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there are all these conversations around, like, uh, Kamala said this in a debate about Biden. So, you know what I mean? Like, uh, she's ingenuous and, like, she's just out for herself and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's like, well, it was a debate. That was what they were there for. And, like, the idea that, like, she couldn't do a political pivot to like be on the ticket mm-hmm. without being uh this like manipulative conniving blah 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 when it's like yeah if if she had been a man in that same oh she i have seen men in that same exact situation where they debate in the primaries and then one of the men's on the ticket and it's like nothing well i mean how about all of the trump sycophants who were running against him and saying things about him like ted cruz and lindsey graham and then you know four years later that's all been forgotten that they said these things that like they've changed their minds completely and there is no pushback on that because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter <laughs> that's just how men are and it's fine that moment in the debate the like famous moment when Kamala called Joe Biden out for his like stance on busing and everything like that really it was an incredible moment um and i remember seeing a lot of discourse after that on you know twitter and elsewhere um where it was like she planned that it seemed like she like practiced it and planned it and i'm like of course she did are you fucking kidding me like she planned it because it's a debate and you want to be prepared for right like taking control of the conversation and having these memorable moments and like of course she planned it but that's the same thing again it's like she can be seeking power and you know trying to get elected but she has to seem like it's all coming naturally like she cares about the country and it's all like because she's just like this naturally nice and compassionate and caring person like any kind of trying too hard or striving or whatever is like uh, just gets turned against women and it's so frustrating it's like you know four five years ago when in like the first um debate between hillary and trump there was the sort of narrative afterwards of but was Hillary too prepared? Yes. Chuck Todd said that. Oh, like, every yes. time I see him, he is I, a like, fucking weasel. He is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
literally every yeah. time Nate turns on the news and Chuck Todd is there, I'm like, fuck you, Chuck Todd. I'm like so angry about that still. Cause I'm like, it is not yeah. possible to be too prepared for a presidential debate. That no. is not a thing. And you no. would never say that about a man ever. Like it's just, it's, it's again, this thing of like the same thing in the, we were talking about in the vain woman episode. It's like, you have to try just hard enough, but not too hard. Cause then right. it's pathetic. Then it's like too much. It has to seem natural. Yes. No one can tell that you tried. No one can tell that you are attempting to do your best. It has to seem like you don't even care. And it just, you know, it's just, it just comes off that way. And like no human being can operate in like that. Like that's just not real. Right. Right. I mean, we want to talk in this episode not just about politics, that we want to talk about, like, I mean, I feel like we could do a whole episode on, like, the girl boss archetype and all that stuff, but we do want to talk yeah. about women in other kinds of power, like, in corporations and stuff mm-hmm. like that, too. But it's the same thing. It's, like, you have to have, as a woman in a position of power in a company, you have to have this very specific uh, management style where it's, like, you're caring and compassionate, but you're not a pushover, and you can't just, like... <laughs> yell at people and go off like a man could but like you can't be too nice like it's just it's the tightrope thing again always the tightrope <laughs> and even more so for women of color like white women have it right. easy compared to them it just it's like this narrow 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 like zone of behavior that is acceptable and it's a trap it's fucking stupid and even just like sort of <clears throat> looking back at my own like professional experience the types of bosses that I had like women versus men like the male bosses that I had like working in marketing they were just like absolute lunatic human beings (laughs) and they could get away with (laughs) any like just so much absolute madness and it's just like you cannot even imagine a woman getting away with that like Mm -hmm. and then getting promoted even like these men just behave this way they terrorize everyone who works for them they're horrible to deal with they get promoted and promoted while women sort of stall out at like you know the middle management level and it's just like it's a constant thing and it's like how how can you be rewarding this type of behavior in a man and then ignoring women who are more than qualified to do the work at the same time like oh so mad and there's this narrative too when women kind of tap out at the middle management level they're like well she just doesn't have leadership qualities she doesn't right. want enough she's not working hard enough but it's this it's the same thing where it's like the things that are leadership qualities if a woman does them are unacceptable so right should we start with Meryl Streep in the Devil Wears Prada of course yes. I, mean, I mean I know we talked about her in the Vain Woman episode too I think but like what can she's we do an iconic character what can we Miranda Priestly I really feel like she's reading from a playbook of, like, how to be the head bitch in charge. Like, this is the woman. But what's so interesting about her is she doesn't yell at people. She's very quiet. And Mm -hmm. that was something Meryl Streep, Mm -hmm. I watched an interview with her where she's talking about this. That's like, she kept her voice really soft. So then it's like the power of Mm -hmm. making people lean in to hear you and get closer and, like, kind of bow to you almost. Um, That's really interesting. She has gray hair, which I found interesting. Do you know what I mean? Like, she had a full, beautiful, like, gray and white streaked bob. Yes. Yes. Stunning. But she's a scary lady. Like, everyone's terrified of her. Yes. But she doesn't yell and she doesn't, like, throw things. I mean, she throws her coat on her assistant's (laughs) desk every day, I guess. But, you know, she's it's like this quiet menace. Yes. she, She is, like, very elegant and very polished and like when she is sort of doing when she is 
doing what she would be doing when she was yelling. You know, like she doesn't yell. She instead of yelling it, she just says it softly. It's just as devastating mm-hmm. as yelling. And she is also extremely like demanding and unreasonable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like with you know demanding the Harry Potter manuscript. <laughs> um, <laughs> I kind of love her, that. right? Don't we? We like love her. I don't know. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's amazing. But like you can like like you can. I don't know. Like women don't often get to be that demanding unreasonable boss like that's the mm-hmm. the male boss that we all have yeah it's kind of exciting thinking about having that sort of power over people but we don't want to work for her no no <laughs> <laughs> i have worked for some pretty epic um unreasonable bosses and she is by far the ter- most terrifying my worst boss ever was a woman actually me too yeah, so that is interesting. But like, did we? I don't know. I'm like, would I have? How would I have interpreted the same behavior from a man? Because we got that internalized misogyny. Well, <laughs> I had a boss who used to bring us into her office and like do crazy things. Like, man or woman, I I am confident that it was unsettling in its <laughs> nature. Okay, so should we talk about um, Quinn from Unreal? Hmm. Quinn is an interesting one because I feel like she's more trying to act like a man in that mm-hmm. role. Like she's more brash and like, again, not really like she doesn't really yell at people. She's more manipulative, but she's kind of like hard charging and like, what is that thing they get tattooed on the money dick power? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's definitely like um, a bully. She yes. is a manipulative bully who will just do get do whatever it takes to get you to do what she wants. Mm-hmm. I think we're talking about all like bad examples again. Women can be <laughs> bosses and be awesome. Um, well, you wanted to talk about Grey's Anatomy. There's some lots oh, of interesting man. female. Let's like, talk it, about power Bailey. On that show. Bailey okay. is an HBIC. Um, she's sometimes called the Nazi by her subordinates right by the interns who are scared of her because she has a habit of yelling and scolding when someone has done something wrong she's Mm -hmm. very like outspoken when someone has done something wrong and she just like has she's like you will do it right but i think that's a good example of someone who's maybe um like i don't think that she's ever unfair she demands that they Mm -hmm. like do good patient care and she gets mad at them for doing things like having sex in a public place at work you know like (laughs) hello the backbone of Grey's Anatomy but okay yeah um yeah and I think like as the show goes on in particular like her character becomes much more complex and you understand that she's coming from this place of like caring about the patients and caring about the interns as well and like wanting Mm -hmm. them to become good doctors so that's the communality thing like she's doing it for the good of the community not just to be mean or because she's on a power trip I do Mm -hmm. think in the first season it's a little bit more black and white like she just seems like a harsh boss but Shandra Wilson is such an amazing actress. Like she just brings so much to it that like she, I think they write, started writing more complex things for her as mm-hmm. well. But like even from the beginning, you can see there's a lot more going on there. And then there's um, Catherine Fox on Grey's Anatomy, who is like the the ultimate head bitch in charge. She like yes. at this point in the show, she like owns the hospital. I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
and she's more of that Miranda Priestly like Mm -hmm. quiet sort of like you see the resting bitch face and you're like in for it kind of thing like I remember this one scene where someone has made her angry and she just like looks at him in a way that would like freeze your blood she doesn't yell like she doesn't have to yell um I love her I want to say something real quick about um on another medical drama so Carrie Weaver from ER um when I first watched ER, like, it's so funny because, like, that was a show that I was watching in, like, middle school. Um, <clears throat> and I sort of had this idea of, like, Carrie Weaver was such a shrew. And these <laughs> these male, the, the men who are the main characters on this show are, like, these poor men. But then, like, watching it as an adult, I did a rewatch of it last year during the, the Great Nothing. Um, the men on the ER are terrible. Carrie Weaver is a boss and she's, like, awesome. <laughs> she's taking care of shit and... Like, she's, like, the only person in that hospital who knows what they're doing. And that is the crux, isn't it? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) There it is. Like, would she have to be so bitchy if those men weren't so awful? I haven't watched ER in, oh, my God. Like, I can't even remember. I did used to watch it, like, way back in the day. But... Yeah, the I mean, there's a lot of seasons of ER. The first, I know, yeah. The first handful are like pretty good, and then like there's a lot of there's a long slog towards its end. Um, we watched yeah. the entire thing at some point last year. We were just wanted to have something in the background. Gotta do um, what we gotta do during these. But times. yeah, the men are are all awful. I really love Christina Yang on Grey's Anatomy. Like, she's always my favorite character. but And yeah, she's kind of like a mini HBIC because she's just an intern, you know, at the beginning. But she's already, like, she's a good example of someone who's like, I am in charge of my life. I am the boss of my life. I have decided to be excellent because I want to. I do mm-hmm. not care if you approve of that. Like, she's extremely, like, explicit about this. And it's really interesting to see her get into these relationships and friendships where people even the people who love her the most are constantly trying to undermine it all the time Mm -hmm. and i find that really like uncomfortably real yeah Yeah. it's like well well, she settles down with burke you know well can't she just chill you know can't she just no she can't she just can't she just christina yang (laughs) um i just love her so much yeah, I almost wish, I know she, like, Sandra Oh wanted to leave the show and everything, but they still mention her sometimes because the way they wrote her off was to, like, mm-hmm. make her the boss of some big hospital in, like, Switzerland or something. And I'm just like, yeah. I want that spinoff. I want, like, Christina yes. boss bitch in Switzerland. Well, <laughs> she got crazy. Burke's practice in Switzerland. Like, he gave it to her, right? Like, he handed over the keys, which was kind of a beautiful way to wrap up that, that arc yeah. after all that time. That's the least he could do. Yeah. That jerk. You know, it's funny. I really actually felt for Burke at the beginning there when he was just trying to make a connection with Christina and she was just like, I don't have time for you. I don't want to. I just want, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I did feel for him there, but because there is that part of being the, you know, being that person, I think, that is isolating. Like, the HBIC is not always someone who has um, time for a lot of people in their life, right? Like, they're not always the person who's got a successful family, et cetera. Yeah, that's true. It's like you have to push other things out in order to be successful where like men expect like if they're the boss, they expect to have like a whole support system. Yeah. Like their wives and secretaries at work and everything. Yeah. Some other examples. Um, Well, in Megan Abbott's book, Give Me Your Hand, Mm -hmm. I was thinking about Dr. Severin, the boss Mm -hmm. in that is a really Mm -hmm. interesting example. And then also um, 
Bethany in Amy Gentry's book Bad Habits that just came out is Mm -hmm. like she's someone who is like extremely manipulative and like playing people off of each other I think that's something we see a lot in like women don't have access to this power of just like screaming at people so they're using these like the soft Mm -hmm. skills that we're all good at and kind of trained in and also criticized for (laughs) but using those things to manage the people under them this like manipulative interpersonal kind of yeah i don't know it's not good but <laughs> um oh um bridgerton we should talk about like oh. the ladies on bridgerton so yes. the queen the queen is an interesting one yeah she is because <laughs> <laughs> she's just like in everyone's shit all the time which i which i loved but also lady danbury who's like probably the best character on the show like can we oh yeah mm-hmm. agree okay she's amazing and she's someone who is like extremely in charge of everything but she's not like she's a sympathetic character we're supposed to root for her like she's not portrayed as no like awful awful woman she's just she's the boss she said something really interesting she has a line i will never forget where she says um and i wonder if this is from the book she's telling him when he's a a kid he has a he has a speech impediment and she said i used to always be so afraid i'd walk into a room and i was afraid of people I was terrified of what people were thinking. And she said, so I decided to become terrifying. Yes. Yes. And I was just like, oh, I love you. But she's yeah. not like, it's interesting with her because she's not, uh, she's like intimidating, I guess. Is what she's I not say. mean. She she's doesn't mean, do no. mean things. No. Yeah. She's not terrifying in the sense of like people fear her, but they respect her mm-hmm. immensely, which is well better. And. That's what I found so interesting was that I think in a patriarchy, when a woman brings that kind of presence into a room, people find it terrifying. Mm -hmm. Just Mm -hmm. that you take up that amount of space or just that you seem so solid and unmovable and um, like certain of yourself. And like the fact that you don't seem like you will be able, you'll be easily manipulated or you don't seem like you will do all the things like make nice, do this facial expression, do all these things, you know? It's a similar thing with Kamala Harris and like her amazing facial expressions during like the various <laughs> Senate hearings or the vice presidential debate or the I'm speaking like that moment. She's just yes. she's immovable. She's just like, this is who I am and I have power here and I'm not going to back down. Um, mm-hmm. That's why we love her so much. But that is interesting. Like she is. Um, it's like she's only terrifying if you deserve to be terrified. Brett Kavanaugh. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> only, oh, God. This the sweating that was happening. <laughs> I mean, that's 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 what's interesting is that you know, um, who finds that terrifying is a very interesting study, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the HBIC is um, is sort of like the the litmus test for someone's real thoughts on women mm-hmm. because yeah. it's like I like strong women, but you know we've <laughs> talked about that before, right? Right. And it's like, you know, in in the case of um, the debate where she says, I'm speaking, she's like stating a fact there. She Mm -hmm. was speaking. And yet that is something that like you can see how people latch onto that as like, oh, she was being she was being rude by (laughs) saying that she was speaking, which she was (laughs) like. So, you know, you're you're in this thing where like just by stating the the truth that somehow becomes like impudent Mm -hmm. if you're a woman. 
And you're right about the litmus test thing, Wendy, because it's what we see over and over in politics. It's always like, well, I would vote for a woman, but not that woman. And it changes <laughs> right, every right. single time. It's like, well, I would vote for a woman, but not Hillary Clinton. I would mm-hmm. vote for a woman, but not Liz Warren. Like she was right. a bad friend to Bernie Sanders. And then right. they talk about these, you know, younger liberal women like AOC or like and then they're like oh well maybe when she runs for president and I'm like no you're gonna turn on her too like immediately yeah. I just <laughs> it's already happening I uh yeah yeah wow and then I think there's like an interesting thing about like if she there is a sort of like I don't know if men realize they feel this but I really do think they feel this is that and I I I don't want to speak out of turn, but I want to say like even more so with a woman of color, but like that place you're occupying, there's only one head person in charge. And so when you take that place of being in charge, you took it from a man. It was supposed Mm -hmm. to belong to a man. And there's that feeling of like, you're standing, you're sitting in someone else's chair. Like you're not the one who, you're not supposed to be the center of this. You're not supposed to be like at the top of this. I am. There's like a sort of like anger, you know? That's basically what Kate Mann's book entitled is about. Like, <laughs> yeah. That men feel entitled to this power and anybody else trying to take it. And she goes through like all the different, you know, permutations of, of power and uh, talks about, uh, I don't know, it's an amazing book. I'm not doing it justice, but that's basically what it's about is like men feel entitled to all sorts of things. They feel entitled to power and to women's bodies and uh, to be coddled and like for society to work in their favor. And then when anyone questions that, they get like really fucking upset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did want to, before we move on to our next topic here, I wanted to bring up kind of like a more positive version of the HBIC. Yeah, um, Leslie Nope from Parks oh, and Rec. Yes. Like, let's talk about this because she is like, she's, she's the boss. Like she's, in charge i mean she runs for office and she but she's like very communal minded like everything she does is for her town like she's not power hungry for like her own advancement it doesn't seem Mm -hmm. like and i'm wondering if that is why people love leslie nope so much that could be because like no one really like accuses as a bad thing leslie nope of being overprepared even though like that's like her thing is being Overprepared, like she's they do so make prepared. Fun of her for it, though, they, they do, yeah, but it's like teasing. Yeah, but it's like they think it's cute that yeah. she's so like earnest and wants yeah. things to get done, and that's another thing. And this sort of like infantilizing mm-hmm. of like, oh, it's so cute that you care so much. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. I think that with Leslie Nope in particular, that's like a perfect way of looking at it because she's very serious about these binders she puts together and all these mm-hmm. like projects she does. And everyone around her is constantly like, settle down. Okay, that was okay. Well, good job. You did a lot of binders. This is a <laughs> lot of work, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, very infantilizing with all of the things she's so passionate about. Yeah. It's like, we, like, I don't know, viewers of that show and like people in general love her, but there is this element of like, it's not, she's not cool. It's not cool to care right. that much. Yeah, she is very, a very earnest person person and like I can see how like that doesn't feel like calculating and self-serving to it's not threatening to men because it's not Mm -hmm. calculating and self-serving so she's not taken seriously but she's not hated right well also like if we're being honest Ron is the boss she's not the boss and like she everyone around her the the worst part of that show which is so painfully accurate is that everyone around her sees that she's working so hard and they just do nothing yeah that's true. <laughs> They're just like, oh, she'll do it. 
that's a good segue into the next thing we wanted to talk about. (laughs) Wendy, why don't you kick this one off? I feel like you deserve to talk about this the most. I feel like I'm coming to the microphone with like a a bottle of Jack Daniels clutched in one fist and like a beard. Like I've never grown a beard, but I have a one now. Um, The next one we're going to talk about is this constant. I I like how they keep unearthing this. Like they keep re-researching this, which makes me so happy that they keep republishing the same thing which is like the pandemic is so much harder for women than men in households with children and like that's my favorite thing because it's like we keep rediscovering it you know it's like we know we know we keep doing these exposés where it's like more examples this guy is awful and so is this guy three close examples another five examples and then like there's a harvard study it's like okay we believe you yeah, we know. It's obvious. But this is like the, you know, we talk about the head bitch in charge and it's kind of this tongue in cheek thing. It's like a cute little phrase. But like, it's like women who are in charge of a lot of things might be a little bitchy because they have too much on their fucking plates and they don't have time for anyone's bullshit. And they're like fed up. And like, we're seeing that in in these co- constant exposés. You're right. It is. It's like every few weeks they rediscover this like shocking truth but the latest one was that um was the new york times piece where they're talking about it's like a couple where the man and the woman were both working from home but he's like the breadwinner he makes more money so he has his office and he's on the phone like with clients and then the mom is trying to work while like wiping the kids ass and like making snacks yep. and everything and then this is like while a reporter is in the house, so yeah, like, he must be right. worse the reporter's not there. So, like, while someone from the New York Times is observing him, his wife is like drowning in all of this work and childcare, and he's like making popcorn, taking a nap on the couch. I'm like, please murder this man. Like, he deserves to be murdered, and I hope he has a lot of life insurance and that you don't get caught. Because, like, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, it is one of those things where. Like, okay, so I feel like if you break it down, it's like this. You have a a heterosexual couple, maybe not heterosexual, but like a a boy-girl couple, okay? Mm -hmm. Your traditional nuclear family is in action, okay? They both get jobs, but she knows she wants to have children eventually, so she picks a career that will work around those children more easily, knowing that she's going to be bearing the brunt of the child care and domestic duty. So as a result, she's always made less money than him. And when she does have children, sure enough, she's able to put in fewer hours at work. She's able to apply for fewer promotions. She can't do extra hours. She can't do extra projects. She can't travel. She can't work weekends. She can't work nights. And so she now five, 10 years into the marriage is making you know $80,000 a year less than her husband. So then the pandemic hits. And guess what? He's the He earns more money. So his job needs to be prioritized. So he, she's doing most of the, you know, she's taking the hit when it comes to like she's on Zoom meetings while doing virtual kindergarten and she's wiping butts while she's on the phone and she's making lunch while she's on the, you know, in a Zoom meeting. And like, you know, she can't have her camera on very often because she's constantly got children crawling all over her and mm-hmm. he can have his camera on because when it's time to work, he goes and locks himself in whatever room he's <laughs> designated as his office. And she's kind of like just on duty with all this happening at the same time and it's just this really depressing thing where it's like we'll always make less money because we can always put less in because we always get less help you know and so it's this constant thing where like women are you know are just like doomed to constantly make less money than their male counterparts who then use that as an excuse to do less around the house right 
And I think like the end result for a lot of these couples, because I've seen this play out too many times as well, is like then the man is like, honey, you're just like not fun and sexy anymore. You're like too angry all the time. You're so stressed out. And then he like fucks some young woman that he meets who's like, you know, makes him feel alive again. And it just (sighs) a tale as old as time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Oh. Reading all of these just makes my tubes like tie a little tighter. I like, <laughs> can't do it. Oh god. I I did not have a second child when I got remarried and I have never been more proud of that decision. I because I knew it would just be too much for me. I already have one. I was a single mom. You know, I'm already because I'm the bio mom, I'm doing the majority of the child stuff. You know what I mean? Like that's how it often goes in step step-parent relationships and I'm happy with that but I was like there's no way I'm having another one I'll Mm -hmm. never be able to get anything done and sure enough and now here I am and I don't have another one in the pandemic (laughs) (laughs) yeah but then it's weaponized against women it's just like well you made that choice and you weren't ambitious enough but then like you can't be too ambitious it's it's again the fine well it's like this no one's stopping you from putting more hours in at work look if you want to do that you could get a nanny and do that (laughs) and it's like well, why should I have to get a nanny when I have a partner? Wasn't that the whole point that we would share this? And I don't want to, it's like, you might not want to leave your children with a stranger. You know, you might not want to hire someone to raise your children for you. You'd like them to be with family members, like the person you freaking had the children with. Um, yeah. And the so. conversation about this is so often too, I'll see people like tweeting about it and they're like, these men should help out more. And I'm like, no, no, they're not <laughs> <That's>... helping out. <laughs> no, no, it's not, it's not helping out. It's not babysitting when it's your own child. Like no. it's just ridiculous. Yeah. So it seems like to be the classical, you know, head bitch in charge, it's almost like you have to turn away from some of these domestic things like you have to either not have kids or have a nanny or like and then people say you're a bad mother right like it's just there's there's no winning and then when women get stressed out and overwhelmed and are like yeah a little bitchy then that gets thrown back in their faces too it's like it's a a miracle that all these men aren't just murdered in their sleep. Well, That's the other thing. thing is like you're supposed to still f- be in love with your spouse and like you're <laughs> supposed to still be like that's the other thing is that, you know, after all that, you know, after that whole day of like butt wiping and Zoom calls while he's like taking naps and eating popcorn, she's supposed to still go be in love with him. Right. Like mm-hmm. forget sex. Like she's supposed to still love him. How, I, you know, and so like just the amount like the the emotional gymnastics it takes and like the the self-talk and the narrative that that I think some women have to go through in order to stay married is it's unhealthy yeah yeah but if you stated these things bluntly like this to in these moments you know it, it would not go well mm-hmm well, probably by the time we're recording this a few weeks early, and I wonder what, you know, which outlet will have discovered this anew by the time <laughs> the episode gets released. We can link to the, can link the research. To the next, the next expose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just, it's like at this point, they keep releasing them, and it's almost getting like more depressing with every release of an expose on this, which is like, we know. Fucked <laughs> <laughs> um, up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now I'm depressed. I know. My boobs are going to like oh, no. burrow inside my rib cage. <laughs> I think it's like a shriveling. It's the inevitable conclusion of this episode. 
sad, <laughs> shriveled, withdrawn, inside out breasts. <laughs> no, we should all be boss bitches and proud of our breasts. Yes. That's the end of this episode. That's it for this episode of Unlikable Female Characters. Don't forget to subscribe, and you can also follow us on Twitter at UnlikableFCPod for updates, book recommendations, and angry feminist rants. Our website is unlikablefemalecharacters.com, and we're also on Instagram at unlikablefemalecharacters. Thanks for listening.